If you have thoughts on the episode, feel free to reach out to us on social media because we want to hear you out. Right, that's, the, that's what this podcast is about, really. Everything that you want to hear, that you need to hear, hear. Okay, she's like so iron. Issues that people don't necessarily want to hear about. Everything is unique in its own way. You learn something from it. We just really need to keep an open mind. <laughs> Hashtag deep. Improv at its core is unscripted and unplanned theater. The core belief of improv is something called yes and. That means it is my obligation to you as my scene partner to accept whatever you say and I will build on to it. And improv has helped me become <laughs> happier and really, really more expressive about feelings. Improv rejects the notion of the lone, brilliant genius. Be comfortable with being average. Hear him out. Hi, I'm Jeff, and welcome to Hear Him Out. Our guest for today is the founder of Spit Manila. He is also the president of Third World Improv. We talk about his transition from showbiz to improv, his experiences with improv both in the Philippines and abroad, and finally, why he thinks being average isn't so bad after all. Welcome to the show, Gabe. Oh, thank you, Jeff. Uh, let's get things started on the right foot. Please don't call me sir, <laughs> even if we know the age difference. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We can talk as peers. We can talk as... <laughs> okay then, yeah. Gabe. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so glad that you're here. Thank you. I uh, hope everything's well at home with quarantine. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy time right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, I live in Baguio City right now, which is a city that I have always, always wanted to live in ever since I was about 10 years old. And being in the city, which arguably has handled the uh, COVID the best among all major cities in the Philippines, I think I'm in a good place. I, the situation in Baguio is a lot better, I guess, than Metro Manila. Yeah, well, because mga natural, it's difficult to get to. If you look at it objectively, you know, we have uh, limited roads getting in. And um, we're lucky to have a very efficient mayor um, who does a good job in contact tracing. And to my knowledge, we have the highest testing rate um, in the country where we have tested 10% of the population. So we're pretty good in those ob- ob- objective measures. So that plus the climate, plus the lack of uh, too much congestion, we're in a better place mentally as well. That's good to hear. I mean, it's a lot, I guess it sounds a lot better than Metro Manila. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's just stressed down here. <laughs> I know, I know. I'll just jump right into one of the things I'm actually very curious about right now, Gabe. Uh, most people um, will really just know you as one of the p- key people in the Philippine improv scene. Right. But from what I know, you actually began first in showbiz. Is that right? Yeah. Um, if you want to go really, really, really back though, I've always been in theater since grade one. Um, I, I went wow. to Southridge and, and the school back then was run by a fellow named Paul Dumol na in the Philippine drama scene is a major name for writing such classics as Ampagilitis de Mang Serapio. And 
growing up in a school with a dramatic tradition uh, like that, and also later on acting for the great Jesuit, uh, Father James B. Reuter, really gave me a solid foundation in theater. And my parents were also among the founding uh, founders of Repertory Philippines. So you could say it's in the blood. So eventually, I went into the band scene. I went into television. And I found myself back doing improvisational theater in 2001. So parang medyo to say that I started in showbiz isn't quite complete. It was really theater um, that I was born from and I guess where I ended up in. I see. So it's kind of like full circle because you actually started in the theater, yeah. then went into TV, showbiz, and now again back in acting, right? Yeah. And actually, even that whole um, foray into showbiz was because of theater. I was doing a play in Tanghalang Ateneo, and I thought I was really good in the play. But um, <laughs> there was a <laughs> Tanghalang Ateneo alumnus who went to the cast party, didn't see me in the play. He saw my alternate. And because I was drunk and I was trying to impress a girl uh, in the party, he found that funny. Not my performance. <laughs> <laughs> Not my performance. And I was invited to do a screen test for ABS-CBN. And um, a few months later, I was signed to a contract. So it wasn't because I was good on stage. It was kind of because I was funny off stage without entirely meaning to be. <laughs> right. Speaking of being funny, I remember as a kid. I don't. Well, I was young. It was the early two thousands. Yeah. I remember first seeing you in a commercial for Yakult. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's what people remember. Uh, well, that's what I remember at least. Yeah. I didn't know it was you back then till <laughs> much later. <laughs> but that's when I remember first seeing you. I guess in that commercial. Uh, oh, okay, Kabachan. <laughs> oh, oh. Um. I, I think your origins on is that I had a band. We ha I have a band called The Police. And, you know, um, we were a funny band. We were a bit overweight. Um, and, you know, we would make jokes about being overweight. And then because of mutual friends and performances, I guess when they thought about the tagline, Okay, Kabachan, I was one of the first people that they <laughs> thought of. In fact, I... When they called me, it was already an offer to do it. Um, the screen test was really just a a formality. And I ended up doing 12 commercials for them, I think. Wow. Marami pala. <laughs> marami, marami, marami. Um, there were many different versions. There were Christmas ones and then all of that. I had, I think I did about three Christmas commercials for them. So <laughs> lots, <laughs> lots of different ones. Okay, but so right now you're you you don't have any more like TV appearances or no. even like sitcoms or shows anymore, no more? No. Um in a nutshell, television and movie work stopped being fun for me. It became something that I had to do to make a living and to continue having momentum in this career that I was in. When you're in showbiz, kasi, your biggest fear kasi, is to be called Laos. Oh. You're, you're, you know, you're over the hill and all of that. And when I was doing shows, when I kept doing shows, parang there was always that fear of you have to do something. You have to be on TV because people will think 
your your laos. Yeah. So I would have a I would have a sitcom, I would have a teleserie, I would have a talk show, and I would have a cable show. And still at the back of my mind, all at the same time, I was thinking, I have to do more. I have to do more. I have to be more visible. And I became just difficult to work with. <laughs> Because, uh-huh. you know, I would be sung it on the set and all of that. Uh-huh. And I just looked at myself and said, you know, I don't have to do this if it's obviously not making me happy anymore. Plus the fact that I am a single parent. And the more you do shows like teleseries, etc., where you're taping three, four days a week and each taping day could reach up to 24 hours, parang it just didn't make sense to pursue that anymore. So I left uh, some time ago and I'm I'm a lot happier now and I have more freedom to do different things now. I would imagine it's mentally draining. Like you said, taping for 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Ganun ang teleserye. In teleserye, <laughs> um, you know, when you have a 30-minute show that goes um, five days a week and at a very, very fast pace, Ganun yung mga ano, shooting days. <laughs> I think also what, what made me tired was just thinking about how to make this process more efficient, how wasteful it is, etc., etc., and trying to, you know, make things better but not really having the, <laughs> the authority to make decisions. That was a little bit tiring. So I, I think showbiz was very, very good to me. I was very lucky, but it was time to leave. Being at the mercy of all the producers and the directors, it 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 could feel very enclosing or limiting, maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I think I was getting because all, parang all the role I I was getting really typecast. Na I would be a lawyer, a father, a priest, oh. a <laughs> a best friend, a kind okay. dad. Yung ganon that. I was getting tired of the lack of variation. <laughs> One of my favorite roles ever was uh, I was uh, I was part of a very small independent film, which was a trilogy. Um, it was called Bang Bang Ali, and I liked that that story because it was written by Zygmunt Sigan, directed by King Palisok, and I was I was a killer in that movie. Okay, different different role. <laughs> so yeah, but that was but that still remains one of my one of my favorite roles because it wasn't the usual expected funny kind or lawyer type of role. Yeah, it wasn't the usual fatherly role that you normally get. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. So, was there like a, a last straw in a Okay, I don't want to do this anymore. There was. Okay, what was that one thing that prompted you that you say, I don't want to do this anymore? <laughs> Did you get cast as a, uh, another dad one too, one too many times? <laughs> no, it was, it was really funny. It was, um, it was close to midnight and I got a message that said, Kuya Gabe, available po ba kayo for taping for this show? Mm-hmm. On the set, 6 a.m., Bataan. Okay. Costume requirements, white suit. Please confirm. And I just lost it. <laughs> Receiving. I didn't reply. I didn't reply. But inside, okay. I just lost it because 
Why one? Because the complexity of the emotion was one. Wow. Um, like I said, diba, dati the biggest fear is being laos. So mm-hmm. one is the thrill na, wow, they still think of me. But at the same time, you realize at 12 midnight and the call time is at 6 in Bataan, that means somebody pulled out. <laughs> and you're a, you're a substitute. And then, second, I really needed the money at that time also. And then I thought, wow, if it's Bataan and it's 12 midnight and I don't know where it is, I probably have to leave in three hours and find a white suit. Right. And not know what the role was and all of that. And for me, that was the defining moment. If I, if I am reacting with anger, annoyance, and uh, exasperation at an offer for a job like that, which frankly, many, many people um, who aspire to be in showbiz would uh, really die for breaks like that. And I found myself ungrateful and, and, and yun nga, just pissed at the whole situation. And I said... To myself, parang, ah, leave na. Okay. Leave na. When, when other people could, you know, be more pleasant and <laughs> be more grateful <laughs> for an opportunity like this. And the poor person was, was, was just doing their job. Right. So, ganun. And then, I found that for all the other offers after that, I was lying na. I was lying na in terms of, are you available for this, that, that. And I would just go, I, I would make up some things na, na no, I have a, I have a prior commitment. And then the prior commitment really would just be to have, you know, lunch with a friend or something. Yung cancelable <laughs> naman. Yeah. So it became clear that I didn't have the love and the drive necessary to honor the job. <laughs> so, parang ganon. So, and then it just became a matter of saying goodbye to uh, the remaining shows that, that I was in. Right. So that ended your relationship with showbiz. Yeah. Looking forward, what was that point where you transitioned into this new uh, sort of career that you went into, uh, which is improv, I guess? I was still doing uh, improv, which fills me with so much joy and life. Um, I started, we started with Spit 2001. So I was still very much very much active on television and all of that. And it did help the man when we were starting uh, improv that I was a familiar face on television. Back in 2001, I was newly married. And for the honeymoon, I decided that we would take a, an improv workshop. Oh, that's uh, cute. <laughs> in the U.S. with one of the founders of Second City Chicago, Paul Sills. And... We took the workshop. When we came home, we we set up Spit. And it was really kind of scary back then because improv was really just known as an exercise that you do uh, in theater workshops and all of that. And we had no idea if it would find a live audience. Well, pagdating ng 2002... Um, around June, we actually started performing uh, in different places. By mid-2003, there was actually already a, a place called the Comfort Room in Makati, which was looking for improv acts, and we became a regular. And 
from then, parang improv did find its audience. We did find people who were willing and able to do it. That was almost 20 years ago. And since then, we've done numerous festivals abroad. And we set up the Manila Improv Festival as well here. And a few years ago, we set up an improv school called Third World Improv. So it's absolutely been rewarding. I'm not rich because of it, but we have a community of over probably 300 improvisers in Metro Manila right now. And that still fills me with so much excitement whenever we do things with Spit and Third World Improv. Oh, it's really gone a long way from 2001 and now you have <laughs> yes. the group and there's a school and over 300 improv actors in the country. Yes, yes. But I'd like to backtrack a little bit um, just for people who aren't so familiar with what improvisation is. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what exactly improv is and how it might be different from other brands of comedy. Maybe Improv at its core is unscripted and unplanned theater. Okay. So it's, uh, when you talk about uh, improvisational theater, that's what it is. So we do scenes, we do stories, we do musicals, where there really, honest to God, is no script. No script? No script at all. Everything (laughs) is made up on the spot. Okay. And uh, we do the dialogue and the intricacy of of the stories on the spot. There are, while the dialogue and the plot is totally made up by the actors on the spot, there is no director in improv who calls all the shots. Like It's not like traditional theater where it's obviously the uh, medium of the director, the writer, or the dramaturge. Here, it is the medium of the actor talaga. And while there are structures that help us along. Like, for example, when we improvise a song, the content is completely improvised, but there are different tunes naman that we follow. Uh, we know naman na chorus, verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus. And sometimes the chord patterns we know um, already. What we talk about and who's going to talk about it during song, well, that's... Dadaan na lang yun sa tinginan, <laughs> sa turuan. Ah, okay, so makuha sa tingin, parang ganun. <laughs> right. There are ways to describe it. Like people call improv the extreme sports of theater. Because you, okay. it's, the same wow. sort of, it's the same sort of thrill. And yeah. kumbaga, buwis buhay. Um, because <laughs> you don't know if you're, gonna, if you're gonna succeed or you're gonna crash and burn. Um, mm-hmm. There's also been an analogy that when you're watching a an improv show, the experience feels very much like a basketball game or any sport where, sure, there might be plays that a coach will design or situations where the team will try and do something. But the most thrilling parts of sports is when there is a broken play <laughs> when mm, yeah. uh, there is a last-minute shot. Anything can happen. <laughs> and the athletes just make it up on the spot. And it's the training, the trust in each other that makes the sport thrilling. So in the same way, parang ganun ng improv theater. 
I'm very curious as to when you said there is no script. That really throws me off. Normally, when you when you think of people who come for a show or go on a play, they rehearse and rehearse for hours on end. Uh, mm-hmm. They want to perfect the script. They know it by heart. But you mentioned that improv doesn't have a script at all. No. <laughs> Which is amazing because I've, I've seen some of these shows and <laughs> these things don't work on any script. Pala. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, in fact, the more you script it, the more it trips you up. Eh? Uh, in improv, eh? okay. we really try and go for flow um, of building each other. The core belief of improv is something called yes and. That means it is my obligation to you as my scene partner to accept whatever you say and I will build on to it. And it is your obligation to me as my co-actor that you will do the same for me. So we get into a flow of accepting and building uh, on each other. I see. So yes and, no? Yes and. Would you like to experience that, Jeff? <laughs> yes. Actually, I was going to ask you. Okay. Uh, can we try this whole yes and? Okay. Yeah, Exciting. Okay. So, Jeff, um, we're going to do we're going to do something called um, first word, last word poetry. Okay. Okay. So you and I, we will deliver an improvised poem together. It's really simple. Keep our lines more or less short. Mm-hmm. And every subsequent line that we deliver, uh, you know, we take turns, must start with the last word that the previous person ended with. Must start with the last? Okay, okay. <laughs> so that sort of ensures some sort of flow. Okay. Because it's a poem, the two of us, we should take on the persona and the angas of a poet. Even if we right. really aren't. So you take it a bit seriously. Don't, don't treat it as comedy. Okay, okay. So embody a poet. Embody a poet. Okay, so I'm going to choose a word. And the word is disinfectant. Disinfectant. Oh my goodness. Okay. Disinfectant. So I will start. Okay. God, I'm nervous, but let's go. <laughs> so, it's Jeff and Gabe doing uh, improvised poetry. Whenever I think of the word disinfectant, I think of spraying disinfectant all over my room. My room, I imagine, is full of germs. Germs that are out to hurt. Your turn. Hurt. Okay. My... Uh... So I have to wait. Sorry. <laughs> I have to use the word. Yes, you have to begin with hurt. I have to begin with hurt. Hurt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just do it, Jeff. Hurt. My heart hurt. Oh, hurt. Hurts when I think of many people who don't have disinfectant in their homes. Their homes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Okay, when pag ganyan, yung medyo may pause, I will come in. And you will do that for me also. Okay. Their okay. homes are home to many different pathogens. Pathogens that could destroy life. Life. What is the meaning of life and the things we eat on our table? Our tables... Can't we see our 
filled with crumbs and leftovers, breeding ground for bacteria. Bacteria, things we run away from, yet we don't always see what we run away from in this crazy life we are in. Inside us is a whole universe filled with bacteria. Bacteria that help us digest. Bacteria that thrive in our intestines. Intestines is my favorite food in Manglaris. Manglaris is pretty good, but I prefer it fresh. Seen. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, wow. so how do you feel, Jeff? I'm, I'm, I'm quite amazed that we came up with something right. on the spot. Right, right. It's, it's, a, it's a thrill, no? It's, a, it's thrilling. <laughs> You're always on your toes. <laughs> yeah, and yet, Yon, that's, um, that's the magic of improv. It's, it's such an adrenaline rush. Um, it's one of those things that maybe when you hear in the playback is, uh, it's okay. But that's not the point of, of improv. Aside from yes and and accepting and building, one of the things that we teach for people to succeed in improv is be content with the concept of being average. And what do we mean by that? When you're accepting and building, like what we did and when we take turns, often there is a temptation to say something super benta, super funny, super brilliant. Right. And that makes you a little bit difficult to work with as a scene partner. If you're always <laughs> taking spotlight, always being brilliant, etc., sometimes uh -huh. it creates a dynamic where, sige, ikaw na lang. Ikaw nang magaling. Right, right. Because no, admittedly, I was trying to think of something interesting so that it would make the scene interesting. That's, right. I think that's the, def that's the default thinking. Eh? <laughs> yeah, when all that the audience probably wants to uh, experience or hear, or it doesn't matter what the audience, uh, no, the listener, all they're really tuned into is how you're flowing, mm -hmm. how you're building off each other, and how you can have amazing chemistry, even if you're doing it for the first time, even if you've just met, etc. Mm -hmm. um, that's what they're looking for. And the brilliance sometimes gets in the way. Improv rejects the notion of the lone, brilliant genius. Instead, we believe in a model of brilliance or a model of genius that is collaborative turn-taking. I see. And it's more fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, oh. So, I think the applications, for example, of yes and and being average and all of that can be really, really good. This exercise, uh, I promise you, is very fun even on your own. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do suddenly spoken word poetry just using this formula. So, first word, last word. Um, it's great as a writing technique for a first draft. If, you're, if you feel you're, <laughs> you have writer's block, <laughs> just do this. Short sentences, first word, last word. Put yourself on a five-minute time limit. And then reread it. And then you just erase na lang the first word of the ano. <laughs> And you can actually come up with something pretty decent. So it's what you just experienced. Um, 
Mm-hmm. That's what addicted me to improv and teaching it. And nandiyan na rin yung, because you're more of a yes and person, not just to people in, co- in conversation, but more importantly to yourself. When you embrace the concept of being average in things that, you know, that doesn't mean um, you throw out magis and excellence and all of that. Ah. What it means is <laughs> in things that don't require superhuman effort or importance, you can be uh, more average and more tolerant. And that ultimately makes you kinder to yourself as well. Right. I think it's that it's value of really working with other people, not so much putting yourself always in that spotlight. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, I see how that might break the whole idea of improv, you know, oh, oh. and thinking that you're this big, brilliant guy in the spotlight. No, no. Get rid of that. And yeah. parang it reminds me of something that one of your previous guests told me back when I was in college. Um, Father Johnny Go was my, <laughs> was my spiritual oh. director and my retreat director back in college. And okay. one, of, one of the reflection points in one of my retreats was, um, knowing my background as an actor and all of that, he said, perhaps you could take a look at shining the light towards others more instead of always stepping into the spotlight. And it's funny how that is also a core belief in improv. It's all about, you know, listening more, being more average so that others can shine. So parang meron talagang intersection um, in my life between improv and Ignatian spirituality. Right, because that, that also I know that also plays a big part in your life, being part of the CLC. Yes, yes, yes. Just thinking about Spit right now and seeing how you guys perform, I would assume that you guys are friends because it would be so much easier if, if there's this rapport among you guys. So you guys are all friends, I assume, in Spit, no? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, I think we're a group of friends that does improv <laughs> as an excuse. <laughs> and in a way, what's good about improv is that it's become a guideline or a, huh, it sounds so nerdy, almost like a constitution on how to behave with each other. Oh, okay. We've known each other from when we were single, from when we didn't have kids, um, to our kids being big and being, you know, um, 16, 17 years old now. It is my most consistent, constant, and closest group of friends now. Oh, that, that's very good to hear. <laughs> but however, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll share with you another story that shows that although friendship is really, really important, and it can really result in what I would say is more risky improv shows. You've seen some of our shows. And for me, eh, sometimes it is funnier when there is a tinge of um, personal truth and um, ah, major okay. slight, uh, slight revelations of what in the life of somebody. We find that the audience enjoys that. But we've also experienced improvising with total strangers, and it works. When we first visited Chicago in 2014, and we visited the Second City Theater in Chicago, which is, you know, the mecca of uh, improv theater, and alumni of Second City move on to Saturday Night Live and all of that. 
we had arrived there to perform in the Chicago Improv Festival, which was a few days later. But um, when we arrived there, we were like, you know, looking around, at, really looking like tourists na so impressed at the place. We hadn't been there more than 30 minutes when this uh, faculty member from Second City comes up and says, hey, you're the group from the Philippines, right? Obviously. And then sabe, uh, which one of you are faculty? And so a few of us raised our hands because we were teaching improv. And he said, good. Because we have a faculty show at 10 p.m. tonight at the theater upstairs, at the, at the Martin de Mat Theater. And um, just meet us backstage at 9.15 and we're going to do the all-faculty show. So see you later. So, wala pang... <laughs> just like that. <laughs> just like that. We had three of us were part of the cast for the show in Second City. And we're like, we'd never met them. Yeah, you never met these guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then, yun, backstage, it was really just a warm-up. And while we don't have uh, scripts, we have structures and we call them games and said, okay, so these are the games um, in this sequence. Okay? Okay. Ganon. And it's really just warm up and then names. And then we were on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so before you know it, you're just talking to each other and, and you're performing all of a sudden. Yeah. So that's how surreal or how... Um, improvisers really engage with each other internationally. About a month ago, I did an online show with the Nationals, and they're a group based in the U.S. One of them is my friend, Sean Landry. She's based in Los Angeles. The other one I had improvised with was R. Kevin Garcia Doyle. He's from Hawaii, and we had never met. And then we were doing scenes through Zoom, online, <laughs> broadcasting <laughs> to the world. <laughs> because we're bound... By rules of yes and making your partner look good, accept and build on each other. Mga ganon. And that becomes a universal language that improvisers can relate to. Right. That's, that's so fascinating how you can just meet someone a few minutes and you know perform with them on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is, sometimes it takes the magic out of um, certain, certain social situations. Like, uh, I remember when I was younger and, you know, meeting somebody and saying, wow, it's like we were talking like we're old friends. Like there's magic, there's romance or whatever. <laughs> and then we realize that in improv, oh, you were just following the basic rules of improv without knowing it and you can create magic. <laughs> <laughs> it spoils the magic. <laughs> it spoils it. It demystifies some of it. I'm curious right now, when did the whole idea of teaching improv come about? Because you've been performing spit uh, you've been doing this for quite some time. Yeah. When the whole idea of, you know, expanding it propagate? About five years ago. Well, improv became became quite popular and quite mainstream after, you know, there were other improv groups, etc. And there was a little bit of a boom in the first few years where there were several, three more groups were doing it. And then they decided to stop performing. And then about... Five years ago, we would hear about people claiming to be improv this or improv that, improv experts. And then we heard about, you know, people claiming it for 
things that we weren't comfortable with, like claiming it really for for explicitly for mental health and all of that. Now, now before, mm-hmm. while we believe it is good for mental health, we don't make claims like that unless they're scientifically proven and, you know, in a journal of medicine. We felt that there was a lot of, for us, parang big claims that weren't consistent with the way we practiced improv. So we decided that instead of just being sourpussing and being grumbling about how others were using improv, we said then we should teach what we know, how we know, and in the spirit of what we've done in SPIT. And we started that five years ago with third world improv. And the joke is, well, and there were two reasons for the name. One, we wanted it to have a very strong non-North American identity. Because when you talk about improv right now, you either trace yourself to the Chicago School of Improv or the Keith Johnstone Canadian School of, of Improv. And we wanted something that would really declare ourselves as, look, this is not North American. And then second, because Second City was the big name, we thought it would be a great joke to have Third World. <laughs> okay, yeah, I see. That's funny. <laughs> and ano kasi, even, even Second City... Second City was the pejorative that um, New Yorkers would call Chicago back then. As in, you know, New York is number one and Chicago yeah. is just the second city. So when Chicago people thought of naming their theater, they said Second City to acknowledge that. So in the same spirit for us, you know, we're always referred to as third world. So we're claiming it as a badge of honor instead of, you know, a mark of shame. Okay, so it's, it's very much a local branding, you know, yeah. calling it third world. Okay. Yeah. Um, what? Well, hindi ren because when we would go to festivals or participate in international conferences, you would have schools that are named, um, <laughs> you know, uh, medyo quirky, zany, um, pakwela names like the Jokers or whatever. <laughs> yung ganun yung name ng school. And we felt that third world improv, although there is humor there, there's also uh, a little bit, well, a lot. It's a loaded political term. And it really has an identity branding-wise in terms of, oh, wow, this, this is definitely a, the term that they use right now is a POC thing. It's a people of color theater. Mm. <laughs> so it's not ano, it's not you know the criticism against um, improv worldwide is that it's white male and privileged oh okay so to so name it, has it that, yes okay. may ganun but still may tang in shikren <laughs> I'm wondering when you perform a show what's the procedure if you see that you know it's not going so well because Everything is off script. I mean, everything is not yeah. scripted. So I'm guessing there might be tendencies for it to go a little sideways. So how do you sort of remedy that to make it go back into where you want it to, to kind of go? If that's if that's how it's supposed to be phrased. Let's see. Um, one is that uh, on normal. Wow, parang I just caught myself because normal shows we don't have that anymore. Um, oh. 
Right. In normal shows, when you would perform in commune, we would divide it into two sets. Uh, each set is about 45 minutes to an hour. And in the first set, you would have something like eight games or eight structures. Each, maybe about five minutes each lang. So for us, if it's not working, if it's not connecting with the audience, at least it's just five minutes of shame. Right. <laughs> and we move on. And we accept that there are different reactions naman. Of course, in a show like that, the best would really be laughter. But for some, you can tune into connection, commiseration, recognition, etc. as other valid um, responses. In the same way that, you know, a play doesn't get a reaction at every scene and at every line. We shouldn't be spoiled with that mentality rinaman when we're doing improvisation. So the long and short of it is five minutes um, and let the scene naturally end and then we move on to the next one. And you mentioned earlier, uh, normal shows, you don't have normal shows anymore, anymore with everything happening now. So how has Spit like adapted to the whole absence of normal circumstances? <laughs> we, we can't go to commune now, obviously. Yeah. Um, maybe online shows, maybe? Yeah, March palang. March palang. Um, I think the the very week after quarantine was announced, we started doing Facebook shows, Facebook live shows. Um, and we've been doing that practically every week up till now. Although lately we have been practicing uh, doing shows on a different platform. It's a Filipino startup called Kumu. And mm-hmm. Kumu uh, is a different experience for us because... Parang mas phone-based yon. There are paths towards getting monetization towards it. And the engagement techniques are different on Kumu. And the audience is different. So we've been experimenting um, with those. Yung mga classes naman ng third world improv, we used to offer um, five levels, uh, eight-week in-person Classes once a week, three three hours each. We've revised that a little. We're offering level one and level two online, but we also have been offering a lot of shorter courses in improv and opened it up to students from all over the country and all over the world. That because we were Metro Manila based and all of that, so we had Makati class, BGC class, Ortigas class, QC class. Ngayon our classes are. <laughs> One class, talagang Lizon Visayas, Mindanao, plus U.S. Nationwide. Uh, plus U.S. East Coast. Okay. May mga ganon. So, yeah, you, you've got to change. And kami, when we claim that as improvisers are ready for everything, we, we really have to prove it. Even in terms of, you know, how you roll out your, your usual offerings, how you revise your business model, ganon. So really, everything's moved online now pala. Yeah, we, we, we've got to. I mean, part of what we do and how we do it, we, we have a lofty dream that um, with Third World Improv, we're spreading the principles of uh, improvisation so that people can become better people and better citizens. So part of being a better citizen now is really just 
follow the best practices when it comes to dealing with a pandemic. And that means no face-to-face classes for us for the foreseeable future. Right. Sad as that is to hear, but it's really what's best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our, our, <laughs> uh, sorry, okay. uh, our motto, I guess, in third world improv, to carry on the joke is we're all about developing people to use improv to develop yourself further, whether as citizens or as people. So parang that, that's the goal of you trying to bring improv to everyone. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I'm, I'm curious, on a more personal note, because you're talking about how we can become better people, better individuals. I want to go a little bit about to, well, you personally, Gabe. Sure. Something you mentioned earlier was that you're a single parent now. Yes. Uh, how's that like? I have a single parent. I, I, I have a single parent. I'm a, I've been a single parent for 14 years. So my okay. son is turning uh, 16 okay. in, in a few weeks. And if you really want the complete definition, I am... Uh, we are an adoptive single parent family. So my son was not is not biologically mine. Um, we had taken him in as a foster through DSWD when he was a few months old, and then shortly after after that, nagkaroon ng separation, and then I have raised him as a single father since he was uh, two years old. And I never, I never remarried. And I actually do like this arrangement uh, right now. And in fact, my fear right now is since he's 16 and in a few years, he'll be graduating from the university. I'm like, wow, what's my life going to be like after that? Oh, right. So that's my situation right now. Um, and I think, the choice of career and shifting from a less time-consuming showbiz life into something that I can control more of is very much connected to having more quality family time. We talked about how improv plays different roles in our lives. You know, that's, that's the goal, hopefully. Yeah. Being a single parent, has that personally applied to you? You, you have used these improv techniques <laughs> in parenting. I'm, I'm very curious because a while ago, you talked about how you lost some magic in conversation. But have you used improv techniques in parenting, maybe? Siguro yung ano, when you improvise, one gives you a little bit more patience for the process. Mm-hmm. I've experienced many scenes where you think it's going nowhere. When you're just building off average things of each other and you can't quite see the end in sight and then suddenly it turns into the most brilliant, brilliant, brilliant of scenes and stories and it's both deep and hilarious at the same time. Trusting in the process is very important to be a relaxed parent. I think because if you micromanage everything and you're concerned about every little thing that the kid does you end up sometimes creating an environment where mistakes honest mistakes innocent mistakes are are not allowed and 
similar to what many people in the startup scene are also saying, in improv, mistakes aren't emphasized or we don't wring our hands and bang our heads against the wall against what we perceive as mistakes. Instead, we take a look at how do we work with it to make it better? How can we craft a mispronunciation or a grammatical error or just forgetting something and integrate it into a scene? So in the same way, um, I think it has taught me as a parent to be more tolerant of missteps, um, forgotten homework, etc. And create a scene, uh, create a scene, create an environment where my son isn't afraid of me and admitting mistakes like that, but instead I'm the first one he wants to work with if he wants to solve something or work his way through a situation like that. So, ganon, um, I think there's also a lot of laughter and a lot of relaxation in our home with each other. He's not stiff at all uh, around me. And believe it or not, before improv, because I considered myself quite stiff and quite unexpressive. And improv has helped me become <laughs> happier and really, really more expressive about feelings and, and tenderness and being nurturing, which weren't necessarily things that I was good at when I was married. But I have to learn now that I'm a single parent. Yeah, and I think what, what I really got from that is, especially from tying it into that exercise we did earlier, mm -mm. improv really calls for you being in the moment. No? You can't just yeah. think about what's happened or what, what, what's going to happen next. It's really Correct. just putting yourself then and there. Being, being totally present. And controlling the, for example, um, in a usual teacher, student, or ano, relationship, when what we were doing kanina with the spontaneous poetry, the old me would have jumped in and really given you instructions. No, you do this. Ganito kasi yan. Okay, try again. Yung be very, you know, in your face with it. But what improv has taught me is shut up, relax. They will figure it out on their own. And just leave space. And you found it. And then eventually, you know, with very little prompting from me, you found your rhythm. Eventually, you sort of got the... Oh, right. But without me telling you, oh, relax ka. Oh, sige, listen. Oh. oh, be present. You found it on your own. And parenting is a little like that, I think. Um, sure, one way is telling them every single thing, but you want to create independence and not dependence. Oh, that's that's amazing to hear, Gabe. <laughs> I was like, oh. I was like thinking, wow, did I really say that? <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, I guess I did. Yeah, yes, you did. So, with all of these things in your life, I want to know what's what's next. No, like you said, um, your son is soon going to graduate. What does the future look like? Are there any things that maybe you're working on at the moment? Yeah, I've relocated to Baguio, and this was really in the plan since mga four years ago. But the plan was really to move completely here in 2020. And then, boom, the pandemic happened. And parang it was such good timing to move here in, uh, in 2020 because all the time I was worried about how do I keep connected with SPIT, Third World Improv, some of the work that I do in Manila if I'm here. And I was imagining my life na, you know, 
three days up in Baguio, four days in Manila to, to keep things. But now, one of the consequences of the pandemic is that people are way more comfortable doing things remotely right now over Zoom um, and all of that, even training over Zoom, that it has worked out nicely for me that I can do most of the work that I was doing in Manila online. And then I've opened, uh, I'm part of the team that opened something called Vivistop Baguio. Vivistop Baguio is a physical space. We call it a creativity accelerator. And kids age 9 to 14 can come to our center and we have the latest equipment, 3D printers, laser cutters, etc. And they can invent things. They can go and do their DIY projects, STEAM-related things. And we provide the mentorship. We provide the opportunity to access these kinds of materials. And the whole objective is to allow these kids to be creative with their hands, make things with their hands, and be more comfortable with modern technology, not for technology's sake, but to allow themselves to make their own clothes, their own food, their own furniture, etc. So it's a, it's, a, it's a maker space for kids, I guess. Oh, that's interesting. So it's targetly, targeted primarily for young kids. Yeah. Um, when I attended a, a conference, a, a STEAM conference last year in Cebu, one of the things that I took away was kids often fall out of love with science, tech, and engineering at around the age of nine. And that's one of the reasons why. That's our target age, the nine. So that if you're... If you really like tech and engineering and all of that and you want to consider a future in it and maybe committing to a science high school is too far away or too serious for you, then we provide the fun space for you to do it. It's part actually of a global network called Vivita. And you can find out more at vivita.co or vivita.ph. And we have centers like this all over the world. It started in Japan, moved to Estonia, Singapore, Lithuania, and we're the next one. Did we stop Baguio? Are the kids there primarily from Baguio or do you get people from Metro Manila also? We were supposed to open April, <laughs> but we all know what happened. So we haven't been uh, able to fully open because kids are uh, officially aren't allowed um, too many activities now. In, in Baguio, Kids were only allowed activities starting September 1. All schools still don't have face-to-face. -face. So we're following. We're not offering face-to-face -face right now. But our target is really Baguio and uh, Region 1 and Cordillera kids. It's an after-school center. Uh, we don't okay. aim to replace grade school or high school. It's really just one of those cool places that you can go to and work, work on your projects. The thing that blows most people away about Vivita is we're absolutely free for kids. So we have memberships, and all the membership means is that we, uh, we want to be able to track projects that you're working on, etc., and we want to be able to contact your parents if, if we ever need to. 
But kids in Vivita never have to pay for anything while they're with us. And what sort of inspired you to take on this new adventure in your life? I have also been active in the startup scene in the Philippines as a mentor uh, in one of the accelerators, idea space for the past eight years. And when you look at the startup space, a lot of the principles in the startup space are also very applicable to improv, eh? yung mga fail fast, just constantly, you know, scrap and rebuild, etc. Learn from your mistakes and all of that. Vivita came from a came from a venture capitalist firm called Mistletoe, and they were really trying to look at how to have a startup club for kids. So it was through that, and it eventually developed into Vivita, um, and it was through that avenue that I learned about Vivita and Baguio. Three years ago was. Uh, named as the first city in the Philippines to be a UNESCO creative city in the UNESCO Creative Cities Network. And Vivita is a creativity accelerator. And I thought, since I always wanted to live here as well, I would make a pitch that they set up their first center here in, in the Philippines because of the synergy of uh, all of that, that this is a creative city, this also has some of the very best public schools in the country. And there are also a lack of opportunities for kids here, especially in the realm of uh, STEAM education. But really, a lot of it was really, I, I, I've loved this city and an excuse to set up something that I really believe in and that I really like. And to be able to convince them to set up here, <laughs> that's become my obsession. And just to give you sort of an idea of what we're like as an organization. In Vivisap Kashiwanoha, which is in the Chiba prefecture uh, outside of Tokyo, um, there was a kid who was very interested in roller coasters. And so okay. Vivisap Kashiwanoha worked with the kid to design and fabricate a small roller coaster. And so they actually built it. Wow. It was maybe 100 feet long. And to give the, I, the kid that experience of designing, building it, uh, it didn't have any loops or anything. It was more like a straight thing. And just have the joy of accomplishing that on their own. We believe kasi na it wasn't, and it wasn't the adults ano, ah, de designing it for him. He would design it and then the adults would help translate it to CAD and whatever. But they actually did that. And we want to give budding scientists, engineers, that kind of experience here in Baguio. And, and there's no avenue for that in Baguio. Unlike in Metro Manila where you, 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 know, you have places like the Mind Museum, you have, you have uh, other schools, etc. that would have that. Here, wala eh. Right. And it, I'm sure it's very empowering for the kids to be able to experience something like that, no? Creating, like you said, the roller coaster from their own thoughts and actually seeing it come to full fruition. Yeah. It's very empowering. Oh, 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 oh. We're launching in October parang a book incubation program where we're looking for uh, a group of kids who will be given 10 months and will guide them through mentorship, the resources, etc. 10 months to get a book out from conception to writing 
to layout, to publishing, to marketing, to launching. It's a 10-month project. So it's the type of thing that we're, that Vivita gets into. Like other organizations might have a book writing project or a book illustrating. Kame from idea to, to launch, the kid will take care of it. <laughs> so you get a more, you get a more, uh, I guess, comprehensive approach to it. And it teaches right. lang that, you know, you can't just be a writer. And be senorito all the way. You've got to do it. <laughs> Idea hanggang completion, ikaw. There's follow-through, no? Oh, <laughs> there's follow-through. Right. Uh, well, go- good luck in that new venture. It Thank sounds you. very exciting. And Thank you. It's so interesting how it's set up in Baguio. Because you know how Baguio... Yeah. Well, why I understand Baguio is it, the culture is very much intact relative to other places. Absolutely. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, reached so much by the Spaniards. Yeah. And it's just nice to have that tech integration into a place so much still root, deeply rooted in its culture. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important that it was here because you you mentioned the cultural identity is intact. There is a great emphasis on creativity, not just because of UNESCO and the Creative Cities Network, but because it's really inherent in the way people are here. And finally, the the public school system and the general independence of kids here will allow for an opportunity for a self-directed learning and independent learning space like us to succeed, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely with the whole scene in Baguio. Yeah. So Gabe, if uh, people are interested to find find out more about Third World Improv, Spit, or even Vivita, how can they get in touch with you? All right. Um, you can go to www.thirdworldimprov.com. You can also look on Facebook for Spit Manila and Third World Improv. Uh, Facebook is where we've been updating most. And for Vivita, if you want to find out more about the organization, you can go to vivita.co. And if you're interested in finding more, finding out more about what we're doing in Baguio, you can go to vivita.co. Okay, one last thing now before we sort of cap off. Because we asked this to all our guests on the show. And that one question is, uh, what's one thing that you think listeners have to hear that isn't really said enough? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I should have thought of that more. (laughs) Um, I think I will go with, be comfortable with being average. And I know that will shock so many of us who have, you know, gone through the educational system, especially yun nga, yung mga savior at na magis, magis, all of that. But be average, especially when it comes to collaboration, is important. Because you want to be able to get to a point where you can be kinder to yourself, kinder to the people you work with, by accepting that sometimes genius breakthroughs come out of a long process of small bits of genius that come together in the end. You don't have to be a genius all the time and out of the gate. Accept that some things need to be built over time. And that can apply to the work 
that you do, creative work, collaboration with others, it can apply to relationships, etc. Be more patient with yourself, be average, but still focus on an end product that is excellent and that can be genius. Just don't be addicted to moments of brilliance. Wow. <laughs> Parang ganon. Okay. Parang ganon. And so, at this point, is there anyone that you want to shout out? Anyone you want to say hello to? <laughs> um, no one in particular, except except for um, all our community members of the Philippine Improv community, all the students, alumni, faculty of Third World Improv. Yes, hello to you, and thank you for listening. All right, amazing. It's been such an honor to have you, Gabe. Uh, this was such a fun experience. I didn't expect <laughs> to have that much fun. <laughs> thank you, Jeff. And thank you for being so game to do the improv poetry. That was my... I was scheming for that surprise, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I appreciate the time. Uh, I, I know you're a busy person, too. So thank you so much for doing this again, Gabe. You're welcome. You're welcome, Jeff. And to everyone listening, you can find Gabe uh, on Spit and they teach at Third World Improv. So until next time, everyone, this has been Hear Him Out. I'm Jeff, your host, and thank you for listening. <laughs>